Hey everybody, welcome back to Primal Aspects Podcast. Today's episode is on a topic that me and Nate really have dialed in on ourselves and we help a lot of our clients understand this concept. But basically it's on diet dogma. And in today's world, especially in the fitness realm, in the you know ancestral eating, primal, low-carb, keto worlds, there's so much dogma when it comes to eating. And I think it it's good to have strict rules and it's good to have a lot of like dialed in concepts. But for the average person, we don't really think there's any need to be following strict dogma mm-hmm. and to not eat certain foods or to eat only certain kinds of foods. And this is also in the plant-based community as well, big time. And I think the biggest example of dogma is a vegan diet. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's bad or good, but completely eliminating entire food sources you know, for either ethical reasons or so supposedly for scientific reasons is, is, is dogma yeah. at the end of the day. And so we kind of mentioned this in our ancestral eating episode, but we want you guys to, instead of focusing on counting calories, be mindful and just eat real food. And we're going to talk about a, an idea or a concept of, you know, analytical thinking and philosophical thinking when it comes to eating food. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big difference. So looking beyond calories and realizing that food is much more than just calories. Food has the potential to give you physical and spiritual energy. Mm-hmm. It also helps make the body. So looking, it, it helps regenerate tissue, build cells, all those things. So simply eating based on calories to us is a flawed concept. And another thing is why all ancestral people have considered food sacred, where now we consider food calories. Mm. So there's a huge distinction between that. And so understanding these concepts are going to really help all of you kind of find yourself when it comes to eating. Just like finding your own training style or finding your own uh, you know, lifestyle practices, eating is a huge component of that as well. And also understanding that eating different styles or eating different diets can change on a daily basis. Mm. So a good example is... Last or two weeks ago, I drove to New Mexico to see my family and I intermittent fasted and went keto because mm-hmm. I was like in a car for eight hours. Mm-hmm. You know, days when I train, guess what? I'll eat a ton of fruit, I'll have carbs, I'll eat different types, I'll lower my fat. You know, it's like I don't need that much. Mm-hmm. And so, understanding that you don't have to stick to a certain diet every single day is a huge, uh, it's a freeing experience. Yeah. And so to dive into it, um, we're just going to simply lay out the concept that start looking at food philosophically. So looking at it as energy and nutrients and eating with your friends, eating with your, your tribe as opposed to like, oh, I need to eat these calories or I need to lose weight or I need to build muscle. I have to eat it a, a certain amount or a certain types of food. And realizing that dogma has its place but we want you to start looking beyond that yeah and well and like kind of having that respect i mean just to start it off you know with the the community aspect when you're going or when i worked in restaurants and people are going out to eat and they're they're with their loved ones or they're going out to breakfast it is abhorrent how much food is wasted oh yeah that like hopefully not on the restaurant's end hopefully they're good at product management you know using their food wisely. But dude, you'll see these 
plates come back with like half the meal on it mm-hmm. and then it, it just gets dumped in the trash I'm like that that is the epitome or that's the the polar opposite of what we're talking about of treating food as sacred yeah maybe it was all processed like bs food at whatever restaurant you're at but still that is a sacred thing mm-hmm. and you're you chose to buy it you chose to eat it but now you're choosing to waste it as well yeah and that habit, I like. I can't remember the last time I threw food in the garbage. Exactly. I put it. I take it and I put it in the fridge. I, dude, I eat like all of it. Mm-hmm. it. Or I'll just make sure I make enough that when I eat it, I'm not going to be super full. I'm like, oh, I can't finish my plate. Like that. That habit of like just tossing food in the garbage. Oh man, that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, me too. It definitely does, and that's why I think being mindful of what you're eating makes you get the right kinds of foods, the mm-hmm. right amounts of foods, instead of just buying a huge plate and be like, oh, yeah, I don't like it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw it away. Yeah. Well, and so, like, to kind of, like, dive into it, you know, we had a, a little party the other night for our friend Nate Amato, who mm-hmm. was on the podcast at an earlier point, and he wanted sushi. So we had, like, a whole little get-together. We made it healthy, you know, or at least like what we perceived to be healthy. It was all whole foods. Yeah. And just the fact that we were all together making it as a team, everybody had, like jumped in, rolled, did some sushi. Matt made some great sweet potatoes. Like we all had a little part to play mm-hmm. and that made it so much better. Oh, so legit. So much more nutritious, so much more fun. So much cheaper. Cheaper. Yeah. Like, we all crazy. shipped in. There was like 10 of us and we all were full. Yeah. And we spent less than like, what, 50 bucks? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, you know, we all chipped in mm-hmm. and like put a little bit in there and it just trying to do that more, more often, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to do that more often is really valuable. And like, if you have a family at home, I remember growing up, my folks would, we would do like dinner nights, you know, we kind of phased it out as I got older, which was unfortunate, but like we would all be involved, like set the table and like you know, Hey, help me. My dad would like have me hop on the grill and like flip meat and do stuff like that. And that is just huge. That goes, that transcends the thing you're eating. Totally. And some of my best memories as a kid and teenager, are like, you know, going back with my family, having huge barbecues, huge cookouts. Mm-hmm. It's all centered around that food, mm-hmm. you know? And we were talking about clean eating and healthy eating, but if you're trying to stick to a keto diet or a, a vegan diet and like you go to a gathering like this, you're like, oh, I can't eat that food because I have this strict diet that I have to follow. Yeah. It's like, dude, just eat healthy food with everyone and be part of the community, you know? Well, and then it ends up, yeah, like you said, it, it puts a uh, stress on a relationship or relationships and then you you may end up becoming that guy or gal who's unconsciously preaching your opinion your dogma onto all your friends because that you want them to be on your bandwagon exactly. so that when you get together it makes you feel better about everything because you're all eating the same way mm-hmm. which like you know there's something to be said about having a tribe who's on board and thankfully like we're lucky enough to have a pretty decent sized tribe of people who mm-hmm. are all into this stuff but it was mo- it's mostly independent of matt and i when Matt and I met, we were both already into this, independent of one another. And we built these, and same with Nate, like we built these concepts kind of together, you know, rather than me coming in. Like I have, I have a group of friends who don't care about any of this. 
And so I have to be mindful of that when I hang out with them. So I'm not just crushing like, you know, so I'm not just like preaching my viewpoint on what, how they're eating. And I, I just like talk and like, let them, you know, just be around them. And that's, that's all it takes. You don't need to preach your opinion to them. Totally. And I think a huge negative aspect of diet these days is focusing so much on calories. Yeah. You know, people are so caught up in calories and tracking stuff and like lowering calories, trying to eat low calorie, low fat, or, you know, even like low carb and stuff or cutting out meat. It's just that's at the end of the day, when, when you study ancestral, you know, patterns, it's like real food, the right amounts combined with active lifestyle. That's going to be the basis. And that's why we lock, it's going to bring us into our next topic of clean eating versus strict eating. Mm hmm. And to make things easier for everyone to understand and kind of adjust, or, or if you're new and you're trying to develop better habits or you want to get in shape better, the first thing you want to focus on is just learning to eat clean food. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to, let's say you haven't worked out or eaten healthy in years and you just all of a sudden start a keto diet, or you're trying to get do the trendy thing and eat a plant-based diet, mm -hmm. and you don't really know anything about whole foods or clean foods, you're probably going to run into that wall or you're going to give up because it's too hard. You're going to try and be too strict with it. And so just spending several weeks or months just eating real food, I mm -hmm. think, is the most important thing. Well, and let's, let's break that down really quick, what, what we mean by real food. So we have we've kind of like thought of this tier of like based on natural, I don't even know say natural laws, but ancestral wisdom and evolutionary science that you look way back, we would be eating nothing like traditionally nothing but wild game and wild foraged fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. Everything came from the wild. So if you have that as an option to hunt fish and forage all your food, that's like top tier. That's yeah. like, okay, you're getting the best quality nutrients. Down from that would be regenerative agriculture and permaculture farms where your food is grown in accordance with nature, mm -hmm. but it's guided by human hands. And so that's like still really high quality stuff. Super high quality. Super high quality. Um, but it's, you know, it's still, it's still being guided by human influence. And then down from that is what you would see is like your traditional organic vegetables and fruits and meat. It's good. It's not the best, but it's still good. And at the bottom is your conventionally grown GMO crop, like mega farms, mm -hmm. mega agriculture. But that's still above processed food. And that's still above processed food. So at the bottom of the totem pole is processed food. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's going to be your packaged stuff. Your fried stuff, mm -hmm. you and know. that's all made with those mega farm conventional exactly. Crop. Yeah. And then a lot of times it's marketed as healthy, mm -hmm. so you could have someone on this strict keto diet eating all processed food. Oh yeah, oh, and the worst is the plant based stuff. If yeah. you're eating the fake meats, oh. that's, all, that's like the definition of processed. Well, yeah. What kind of drives me crazy is like you see kind of getting into counting macros and then looking at like things like fake meats and stuff. You get like a coach. I've seen these coaches that like. If you don't, like, essentially you're promoting, like, if you don't count your macros, you won't have success, mm -hmm. which I find fully false. Exactly. 100%. To me, that's like a, that you are creating OCD in your life. Oh, horrible. And yeah. I, I've been there. Yeah. You know, and I'm not at, like, I don't bodybuild or compete, but I've, like, 
stuck so hard to these strict diets. Yeah, it creates like an OCD and like a like a like this overwhelming sense of control yeah. that you have to have. And then with like fake meats, you're pretending to eat meat. Mm-hmm. You're playing pretend. Where like if you want to do a plant based diet, you can do it and not pretend to eat meat and just exactly. eat, eat, eat eat plants. <laughs> like yeah. so. And that, yeah, I just think that's kind of funny. So clean eating to us is where you don't count calories, but everything you eat is the best quality you can acquire. Yeah. You know, so that means if, like, all you can afford is just, like, conventional fruits and vegetables, Mm -hmm. and you can only afford to get, like, you just go to the butcher and get meat, Mm -hmm. that's still really, really good. Well, and so on the Water Podcast, we brought up the EWG, Mm -hmm. and they have a resource for, they call it the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. Totally. And so that's a great resource if you're if you can only afford conventionally grown stuff. The mm-hmm. clean fifteen is the stuff that is safe to buy conventionally. Yeah. And the dirty dozen is like you should really avoid this and try and buy organic. Exactly. And then, you know, we it's cool because even like Costco has like awesome stuff now. Mm-hmm. So you could buy huge things of coconut oil. Uh, you can get real butter. Mm-hmm. You can buy ghee. You can buy extra virgin olive oil. So like, that's you know clean eating. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, yeah, I got some. Uh, all natural peanut butter. I got some bananas and fruit and rice and some olive oil mm-hmm. and some salmon. It's like boom, you're eating clean. But like that fits no strict diet. Mm. Like, that's not keto. That's not plant based. That's not carnivore. That's not low carb. It's mm. just clean eating, mm-hmm. and you will get results from doing that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But we live in this society where we got all these freaking experts telling us this has to be the way to eat or this is the best diet or new studies show plant-based is, you know, whatever. It's like, and that's, that's cool. Like me and Nate dive into that science and we've done a lot of strict eating, but at the end of the day, eating clean is where that's the foundation. That is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there is no reason to be counting macros, supplementing with things or doing any of that. If you haven't built your foundation. Exactly. And I would argue that, for anyone that's new to this stuff, just spend, dedicate a whole year. So it'll be like, I'm going to pick 2021. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to eat clean. I'm not going to count calories. I'm not going to worry about this stuff. Like, and you'll notice that you're not as hungry. Mm-hmm. Like if you eat, you know, organic vegetables with some olive oil and you have a nice piece of steak with it and you eat, you know, three healthy meals throughout the day, you're not hungry. You don't feel like snacking. You know, but what happens if you're restricting stuff and you're trying to intermittent fast and you're trying to go keto and like mm-hmm. you're, you're cutting out all these foods because they're bad? What do you know? You're super hungry and you splurge. Mm-hmm. It's all about getting the, the basics down, eating when you're hungry, eating real food, not counting calories, listening to your body. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important step. And a lot of people skip that and go straight to a strict diet. Well, and, and I'll say from personal experience, like, I'm the type of person, and you'll hear from me more on this, is I, I'm not like, oh, you know, build your way up to a full dose and start with a quarter. I'm like, oh, let me take two. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm take like, three caps. I'll take six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that type of guy, and I'm slowly not becoming that type of guy, but I have been for a long time. And when I first really got into this, um, there was a few a few resources that really changed the way I thought about eating. And the, one of the big ones was like the Dave Asprey, like the Bulletproof Diet kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, there's like alternatives out there. Mm-hmm. There's other people thinking about it. and I, And I have some issues with the way he's constructed stuff. I think he's like a brilliant dude and has given me a lot of knowledge. Um, and I, his books are excellent. But 
I went really hard with it initially. And I ended up with a lot of stress, like, Me like, too, yeah. like metabolic stress, hormonal stress, because mm-hmm. my body was not used to like the intensity I was throwing at it. Exactly. I was, I was like trying every practice he had in his book, like straight up fat fasting, full fast and like protein fasting and like doing all these like crazy things. And then my body's like, no, like this isn't good. Stop. Exactly. <laughs> like, and I encourage all of you to check out our metabolic flexibility episode. Yeah. And a perfect example of that is if, if you've been eating years of standard American diet, mm-hmm. you rely on carbohydrates, your body doesn't know how to utilize fatty acids and you go on a low carb diet. <laughs> yeah. You're going to hit a wall. Or if you try an intermittent fast after years of eating super high carbs and low quality fats, mm-hmm. it's going to really, really push you to your limit and it's probably going to be too stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, so spend several months just eating clean. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And then once you develop that metabolic flexibility, then start playing with these more advanced techniques. Yeah. And so now I will say, like, I went, you know, swung the pendulum too far one way brought it back to a nice middle ground. And now I can go back. I, I do, I have a regular intermittent fasting practice mm-hmm. and like I, I can go back into that and not feel any stress, exactly physiological stress. Like mm-hmm. I feel good doing it. Yeah. And I felt good doing it then, but it just ended up becoming too much. Yeah. And we live in an age or like currently we live in a time where eating disorders are huge. Oh, massive. And it's not a, a really talked about subject, but so many people have eating disorders on both sides of the spectrum of like eating way too much and being addicted to fast food and sugar, but also like super, um, what do you call it? Like uh, self-destructive where you're trying to be good. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, like, orthorexia. Yeah. That's where what you're, it's called. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna starve myself, and like, I'm not gonna eat any carbs, or like, I'm not gonna eat any plants. It's the or ob- any animals. It's the obsession with being or eating pure, or whatever your perceived sense of pure is. Exactly. And so, if you break that, it's nothing but like guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, you're in this rabbit hole. And I've seen people talk about like, oh, like, don't have guilt or shame over this. And it's like, well. You're coming to that because you came from the place of orthorexia, so yeah. you know that. Like, and yeah, it's it's a danger. It's a real thing. It, no, it really is. And I think social media is a huge influence on that. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever so you know how like YouTube bases all your videos off of like what stuff you look up. Yeah. So when like when I get onto YouTube, it's literally nothing but like fitness and yeah, primal exactly. MMA, jujitsu, and everyone's like ripped and shredded. And there's times where I'm like, God, dude, I, I need. to to get in better shape like <laughs> I suck like well and you know I, and like that's a huge thing yeah, it, it is yeah well I wanted to echo that like the the orthorexia and like the eating part is oftentimes paired with the body dysmorphia oh big time yeah, and so like the body dysmorphia is the idea that like you probably look better than you think you do oh totally you yeah. know and then there's like uh this feeling of like oh I'm not big enough or I'm not lean enough or, mm-hmm. I'm not. or for the girls it's like oh like I need a bigger booty or like I, I need to like lose more weight. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, you look fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a, I, I saw, speaking of social media, I saw a post from a kid who I know was talking about, it was a really like heartfelt post. He's talking about how he's like suffered with like body dysmorphia and stuff like that. And he's in like insane shape, you know, but he was saying how it's what people have said to him about how good he looked that made him feel like he had to keep looking good mm-hmm. or get to a certain point. And the only kind of argument I would have against that is like, yes, like, yeah, people will say things to you, whether positive or negative. It's ultimately up to you how you react to that input. Yeah. 
And that reaction is often, and we're getting a little down the weeds here, but like that reaction is oftentimes your ego trying to create a justification of whether this is a good or a bad thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's why focusing just on clean mm-hmm. whole foods. Yep. You know, three square meals Bring it a back. day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Because a lot of times, yeah. like, if you're lacking nutrients, it could really impact your mood. Your mood. And, mm-hmm. like, if you're, you know, following a low protein vegan diet, you're missing out neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting enough nutrients. Like, or improperly following a keto diet and, yeah. like, you're not utilizing fats, like Matt said. And so then the lack of glucose you have, now you're in, like, a really crazy state of mind. Mm-hmm. Now you're just, like, kind of hangry all the time. Exactly. And then, that then you snap and you splurge mm-hmm. and then so you fast to make up for it it's like this <laughs> vicious vicious cycle and that's why we're saying guys like strict eating is is awesome like me and nate have done hardcore carnivore diets we've done keto we've gotten a lot of results with it but the like plant-based plant-based yeah no i was there was a time when i was doing plant-based and it, it was awesome and but then after a while it, like it ultimately interrupts relationships mm-hmm. like it impacts going out with friends um, I remember when I was on keto, like I literally didn't do anything because I just had to go home and eat. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd be like hungry and like there'd be stuff going on, and I'd be like, "No, I need to eat a meal right now. It's time to eat." Mm-hmm. And, and then you realize it's like this is just dumb. Like it's not serving purposes. Like I'd rather just be able to eat when I'm hungry, eat real foods, go out with friends, go train hard. Mm-hmm. You know, so getting out of that. But like what me and Nate said is, there's a time to eat strict, and it doesn't have to be every day. Mm-hmm. So you could pick one day out of the week or a couple of days where you want to do a strict intermittent fasting carnivore approach, or you can go three days keto, you know, mm-hmm. there's all these different approaches, but at the end of the day, having that foundation of clean eating is so important. Yeah. Well, and, and Matt said it earlier too, if you do, if you get a great foundation of clean eating, you can start using like this quote unquote strict eating as like a targeted way for success in certain things. Mm-hmm. So... Like he said, he was driving. It's a great time to be in ketosis. Yeah. You're driving. You don't want to snack the whole drive. Oh, dude, you want to stay awesome. focused. Yeah. Like, or like I did, I remember this was a while back. I was doing a CPR first aid class and it was, a, it was supposed to be a two day class, but it was all compressed into one day. So it was like a long day. I was like full keto, took like exogenous ketones and like nootropics and stuff and just like crushed the class. Yeah, seriously. And it was like, oh sweet it's over and then you know the next day went back to like having some carbs and stuff like, seriously you no. Know? and when i went on that carnivore binge uh it was awesome mm-hmm. you know but like the other day i i literally had like a banana smoothie with dates and like dark chocolate like the complete opposite of carnivore <laughs> and i was like man i feel really good yeah and there's people that are like so stuck on either one and that yeah. that brings us to the extremes of eating and i want you guys to visualize like the yin and yin yang mm-hmm. logo like little s with the black and the white mm-hmm. you know and then the white dot and the red dot within yeah and like think about that but we're like carnivore and vegan mm. you know like it's like the flip side of the yin and the yang and like people tend to gravitate towards one side or the other where it's like even like buddha says it's all about the middle path mm-hmm. you know and there's days when you can go vegan and it's awesome i've done it and there's days when you go carnivore and it's awesome but like most of the time it's like a combination mm-hmm. but within that like what me and nate have we found a cool strategy of like having like a carnivore breakfast or a keto breakfast mm-hmm. and then de- de- depending on what we're doing that day either having like a high carb lunch and a high carb dinner mm-hmm. or just continuing to eat mm-hmm. low carb and so you can have strict eating like throughout the day 
Mm-hmm. So instead of having this diet, it's like of keto, just eat a keto meal for breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, and or have a keto dinner or something. You like, kind of get the benefits of both worlds. Exactly. And like you're, maybe you're not getting the extreme benefits of one or the other, mm-hmm. but you get a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. And neither is necessarily good or bad. Both are entirely necessary, but it's finding the perfect balance for your life, for your family, for your relationships, and like what just feels good. And realizing that it's cool to play with both sides, but ultimately base it off of your mindful, intuitive understanding of yourself. And then the cool thing about trying new kinds of eating is like you learn different ways to cook. Oh, yeah. So both me and Nate, if you were like, oh, dude, cook a keto meal, we could cook an awesome Mm-hmm. ketogenic meal or a carnivore meal it's like or we could make an awesome fruit fucking salad with tons of macadamia nuts and stuff well <laughs> you know? and like uh, with the cooking thing you know it's not it's the fact that you're just putting your intention into it yeah you know that's like that is huge because if you take the time to care about making a meal there's like you know it's like people always say it's like oh special ingredients love that's a real thing. It is. You know, that's yeah, a real that's thing. the like, best ingredient. Like, yeah. that's why I will never like turn down a grandma's cookies. Like any grandma's food, I will eat it because oh, that is dude. the best food ever. Oh yeah, and like there's, I always I've said this before, but like you're, you know, when you're little and you're sick and your mom's like, oh, let me make you some soup. Like my mom would always make me like Campbell's chicken noodle soup <laughs> and a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like not the healthiest thing, delicious, but, but like, it got you. It was like served. Your- it was the not the, it wasn't the food it was the intention see, of my mom saying i want to make you feel better see those are like spiritual calories yeah and yeah, most dude. of the food is not <laughs> yeah that and like you feel better yeah. you're like whoa feel so much better yeah. go watch power rangers <laughs> yeah seriously so that is what you know that intention is not quantifiable mm-hmm. it's not analytical and if i was a nutritional dietetics expert i'd be like that's not there's no studies that show that that's yeah true. it's like fuck you dude i felt it like, yeah it's true yeah like, it's real it's 100 percent real yeah and not only that like you'll when you're putting something together you'll start to pay attention to the ingredients mm-hmm. and you're 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 seeing all the steps and you're like oh and then when you go out and you look at kind of processed food i find it interesting just as like a culinary nerd i'll like look at processed food i'm like how the heck did they make this you know like could i replicate this at home easily if i couldn't then i really probably shouldn't eat this yeah because they're using like all kinds of like it's like molecular gastronomy it's like the dark side of molecular gastronomy there's like a good side which is like baller ass restaurants and then there's the dark side of the cheap cheap ingredients how do we make it taste healthy so people get addicted like how oh do, yeah how do we make it super super cheap and sell it for 8 bucks literally like the perfect blends of like salt fat and sugar to hit your taste buds and give you this insane dopamine hit yeah. that you're like oh well, and I want that's this. that's one thing that me and Nate really learned about the carnivore diet when we literally just had salt and fat and meat Oh yeah! Like you learn to appreciate herbs, and once you add them back, you're like, "Holy crap, this is amazing!" Like, yeah, like, and then it's, and I've told Matt this for a long time, like, and you're, I know you do this too for your own cooking now, is like simple, the best, like more oh, simple the better, like, yeah, like the fewer flavors going on in a dish, the better it is. Yeah, like if you have a baked potato, and you cut it open and it's still warm, and you just pour some really good extra virgin olive oil on there mm-hmm. with a little bit of salt and pepper 
Oh my god! It's like the most amazing. You don't yeah. need sour cream and bacon and cheese and all this other stuff on it. You're like, dude, this potato is amazing, mm-hmm. and you feel nourished, and that's clean. Mm-hmm. You don't have to mask it with all this other stuff, dude. There's this uh, legendary Italian dish. I can't remember the name. It's an angel hair pasta dish, and so it's angel hair pasta, which is eggs, water, and flour, and then the sauce is just white wine, whole butter, and black pepper and salt and parmesan. Yeah. It's like it's so simple, and it's a little bit of each. It's not like an overwhelming amount. Exactly, of all you're this not stuff. like pouring ketchup all over it. Yeah, yeah it's like just like this like perfect thing. People are like, oh my god, this is the most incredible meal. It's yeah. like yeah, there's like eight things there. Exactly, you know, and it's they're just so simple, mm-hmm. and that is like clean eating. Yeah, you know that that is simple. the essence of it. Simple, and with the Italians, they're like obsessed with quality. Mm-hmm. So you know, one hundred percent, those eggs came from like their neighbor. Oh, and seriously. like you know, the the Parmesan was like their cows yeah and and that's what we're saying if you get quality food and you cook it yourself it's not expensive Mm -hmm. you don't have to buy these ultra processed keto foods or vegan foods and Mm -hmm. add all these sauces and barbecue sauce and all these toppings it's Mm -hmm. like simplicity is clean and simplicity is delicious yep and and just you know on to add on to that you're learning a new skill yeah totally. when you're cooking you're learning something new that you can continue to learn. Yeah. There's always something. I learn something about cooking every time I cook. Mm-hmm. And it's just about looking for it. Yeah, and then once you really get into the community aspect of food, and you, especially if it's with your family or your close friends, and you realize, wow, I'm providing them with healthy food. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm providing my tribe with nutrients mm-hmm. so they could be stronger. Mm-hmm. So if you learn how to cook healthy for yourself, guess what? You can cook healthy for your friends and family. Yeah. which is the ultimate goal because we want we want to make everyone better. And so it's like if, if one of you listeners learns and like gets motivated to cook healthier and cook clean, it's like, boom, now your your friends are going to benefit. Your family's going to benefit. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to dive into this a little bit and ask you, what was like your first idea of healthy? Well, your first, it's like you're very, like what did you used to think healthy eating was? Like when you were younger, maybe mm-hmm. in high school or middle school? And then when did you first think like, oh, now I'm eating healthy and like you got on that? Yeah. yeah. So for me, uh, it really started in high school with uh, football because mm-hmm. I wanted to get in shape and get, you know, put on size. So I remember eating like the typical bodybuilding diet. Mm. Think of, think about like early 2000s bodybuilding diet. Yeah. Just whey protein, tons of, you know, whole grain bread, tons of canned tuna, um, low fat stuff, mm-hmm. chicken breasts. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely better. But I remember I worked at KFC in high school. So I would take like the fried chicken and just take the skin off. <laughs> you know, so I'd just, just eat, eat the skin. Just eat, skin. <laughs> no, and, and I would just like have like whole grain bread and make like five sandwiches. Literally, I'd have like four sandwiches oh my God. with just like tons of chicken breast, even though it's fried. Yeah. And I would just like put like barbecue sauce all over it. Yeah. You like think that you pulled the skin off, so you're like, oh, all the bad stuff's gone. Exactly. <laughs> it's like well, all the hydrogenated oils are still... Oh, it's permeated. Exactly. So that's like an example. And like I thought that was good. And then in the military, I would, you know, drink whey protein and eat chow hall food, just load up on... Just get calories. Mm-hmm. And I was like strong and, and healthy, like... But it wasn't until after I got out of the military when I really started to realize, like food is more than just calories. Mm-hmm. And I, I had stomach issues, you know, digestive issues, acne, bloating, 
uh, constipation. So it wasn't really healthy. You were functional. No, I was functional, and I was like strong, and you know I thought that I was physically capable, and I was, but you know acne, constipation, bloat mm-hmm. are not good. No. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Luckily, I was able to switch. But interestingly, bulletproof. The bulletproof diet was the first time I started to get healthy with mm. my eating, and that's when I really started to to realize fats were important, and I started to cut out processed food, um, started to lower my carbohydrates, I, and I still eat a lot of carbohydrates, but lower them in the sense of not getting like six hundred grams a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, and instantly felt so much better. Oh, it's crazy. I think the biggest thing was my cognition, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Me too. Definitely realized that like it impacts how my mood and my attitude and my thinking. Mm-hmm. I so mine mine was similar. Like I was it was weightlifting, and then I was doing a little bit of jujitsu and Muay Thai after school. Um, later in school, this was like later junior year, senior year, but all through high school, I was in the weightlifting program. And so much like Matt, I was like, oh, just like whey protein and creatine. <laughs> it's like, uh, but the creatine I was drinking had like all kinds of crazy stuff in there, like niacin and like this like intense, it's like nitric oxide pumper, and, you know, <laughs> like crazy stuff. But like the, and I would drink like Myoplex, which mm-hmm. is like awful. But then I wasn't as like. I, w- I would drink straight up drink chocolate milk. Oh yeah. That was like yeah. my favorite. I would just like chug chocolate milk. Oh dude, I had like no, I I didn't. I was always of the mind that you could just like out train a bad diet. Oh, totally. And so I like would go do this insane workout and then like go to the cafeteria at school. Just like crush food. It was just pizza. Dude, like that was the, our cafeteria provided Domino's pizza unlimited supply. Like, yeah, it was like the worst thing you could have. No, seriously. And like that's, but again, when you're at that age, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. And I think that really sets up a lot of people for failure in the long term. Yeah. But like, I definitely didn't look as, good as I, or feel as good as I do now mm-hmm. um so I was like going down that and like I said earlier kind of found the bulletproof diet and then that's when like yeah my cognition was like whoa yeah like this is what my brain's capable of yeah okay this now, is cool because I remember I before I joined the marines I was going to school to be an automotive technician mm-hmm. and I was like working jobs and like I just it was so hard for me to focus and like school was so hard and like I was taking like technical math classes and technical writing classes on top of the automotives and it was just so difficult for me and that's one of the reasons why I dropped out and joined the military because I'm like fuck school and then after I got out and started using me my GI Bill and going on the bulletproof diet I would just focus like I could just like sit in class and absorb everything and study and get homework done and work still work and still go to school and, and I was like whoa yeah, this is insane. This, this is what your brain is supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I was, you know, like this was when I was like from like 18 to 24 when I got out. And so imagine if I would have kept eating that way. Mm-hmm. That, that That's where I feel like Alzheimer's comes from. That's where dementia comes from. Yeah. All these years of just unhealthy, processed garbage foods that, you know, get you by, but at the end of the day, they add up. Mm-hmm. And f- without a doubt, I know I would have, developed some kind of colorectal cancer oh, or yeah. some kind of stomach issue you know just and I, I that's where i believe colon cancer comes from it's just inflammation year, man. years of years of just poo sitting inside your gut mm-hmm. and there's a lot of constipated people out there for sure with lots of contaminants and toxic exactly stuff in exactly there. so if you're getting bloated and backed up it's like that it shouldn't be that way and once you start eating clean it's like 
what do you know? It's mm-hmm. like you start functioning better. Yeah. And then we, you know, to expand, I want to expand a little bit on like kind of the different types, like what you're doing it for. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're training for a competition, like it's going to look different. Like oh, the yeah. way the way you're eating, like, and most likely if you are at a level in in something, some physical competition, then you kind of get the idea of like how you should eat for that. You know, I think especially as you older, the older competitors get, and competitors in a weight class, mm-hmm. that makes a big difference. So there's you know there's sports like CrossFit competition, they don't have weight classes, but if you're in powerlifting or wrestling or like yeah some type of combative art then mm-hmm. you you have a weight class or maybe not weight class but like if you're a female dancer or yeah gymnast like they, you're just like you need to be lean you have to be lean and small and so, so i think yeah. you could you could easily create that same mindset the same mind or like the body dysmorphia and mm-hmm. like the, the bad eating ocd could come from like oh i'm i have to be light i have exactly. to be lean so if you can get into a a pattern where you eat clean then your body's going to level out where it wants to be, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're, you're asking it to do certain things, then you'll be good. Yeah. You know? So, and I think we're, we're talking to the, our, our goal is just the average person here. Yeah. So if you're a competitor, you, you know, like you've spent, you, you have a, like years of training age under your belt, you have years of eating on your belt, you're working with a strict coach. That's one thing. But for the average person, you can get awesome results just eating clean and then like upping or lowering the amount that you're eating. Yeah. You know, like. Well, and that I wanted to talk about for, and this helps, this applies to the average person and like the average day to day life is optimal performance versus peak performance. Mm-hmm. So, peak performance is what you want in a competition. If you're in the Olympics or, yeah, or any jiu jitsu competition, like you're going in, like I'm going to, everything is on the line. Yeah, I want peak performance. Yeah. Your body can't go into peak performance every day. Every day. No, that's, yeah. I think that's a huge, and like yeah. I, it took me years to realize that. Yeah. So, peak performance is like a couple times a year. Or like a photo shoot. So, any magazine yeah. or documentary you see of weightlifters and stuff it's like that is when they're at their peak yeah bodybuilders they're like not like stuff. that all the time no and so then optimal performance is the idea that you can have a stable mood mm-hmm. emotion your emotional mental well-being is on point yeah physically you feel good yeah like you can you can perform at a level that you're happy with yeah that's optimal performance. Mm-hmm. And so that's the average person can achieve optimal it's, performance. Totally. And that's where I feel like our ancestors were. Yeah. It's like you wake up, you go to work, you get things done, you hang out with your family, you train hard, you lift heavy, you go home, you spend time with your loved one, mm-hmm. you have energy to be intimate. Like, boom, there you go. Like, you don't have to like worry so much about peak performance all the time. Mm-hmm. That's just optimal. Yep. And then, you know, there we Matt had hit on it earlier, kind of the ethical ideas around eating, and this conversation is where, like, I think a lot of dogma comes from mm-hmm. is the ethical side. Whether what and to us, you know, I, I I believe we've hit on this a few times, and maybe the ancestral eating podcast and metabolic flexibility. We've had a couple podcasts on diet now. Um, but that that you know the the more like psychological side of it is having a willingness to be wrong about whatever ideas you have exactly and to read the 
opposition's viewpoints. Yeah, as much as possible. Yeah, like that's why me and Nate have studied vegan diets. Yeah, like, and tried them, and like you know, I implement like vegan stuff. Yeah, totally. in my into my life and like carnivore stuff, and because when you really really look at both sides, and then you look at like anthropology, and you're like, oh, they're all right. Yeah, they're all correct. Like so, and it's you know I think the ethical question comes into play when you talk about like animal husbandry with like the amount of like CAFO farms and all this stuff. And yeah, that is wrong. And we're not endorsing that if you eat meat, but eating meat isn't inherently bad. We're like, we're part of this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. We are, we are predators and a lot of, and you could, you could maybe back me up on this. A lot of native communities in the Americas have a, kindred viewpoint of other predators they weren't hunted nearly as much from many of the cultures as you know prey animals were because they saw prey animals as like they're fulfilling their role in this great ecosystem this great spirit land and so we saw like a wolf or a coyote as like that's off limits they're like us like we're the same we're like we're trying to do the same thing so am I wrong in saying that, or is that somewhat true? Somewhat true, yeah. Yeah, definitely. so I've I've kind of heard of it like that, and that we, you know, we have to look at ourselves as part of this mm-hmm. world, not separate from it, and not controllers of it, but influencers. Yeah, we can definitely guide things. In exactly, the and honestly, like if you want to eat ethically, then don't eat ultra processed ultra fake food yeah that's leading to the the destruction of the environment yeah and it's leading to the destruction of human health Mm -hmm. so by purchasing that food you're only allowing it to do more bad harm yeah do do more harm like yeah purchasing fast food purchasing uh you know vegetable oils and subsidized corn oil and all these things it's like or you know purchasing really low quality pork and stuff it's like you're helping to keep those institutions in place Mm -hmm. whereas if you can go out and buy healthy clean food and purchase from your local you know vendors local butchers it's like guess where that money's going Mm. it's going back to those mega farms (laughs) but no they uh so i wanted to talk a little bit about roles of supplementation oh totally so when you, you know, let's say you get to the point where you are eating clean and well, and now you can start dialing in some supplementation mm. because in a sense, you've kind of earned it. Now yeah. you know what, what in your diet and when you can use these things to create more optimal performance or like to get more out of your cognition or your physical performance or even spirituality in some ways. Oh, totally. Depending if you're going more like, tra- uh, like traditional Chinese medicine route on mm-hmm. it. But so this is a list of some I've compiled and definitely throw some of yours in there, Matt, if you have any. Totally. I love essential amino acids. Oh, me too, man. Yeah. They're, so there's, you know, there are nine, there's nine amino acids that your body cannot create. And so those are the essential ones. You need them for muscle protein synthesis and neurotransmitters, all this stuff. They're amazing. Um, so I use them kind of like, almost like a snack. Like in between meals, I'll have some essential amino acids. Magnesium, our soil is depleted of magnesium, so that's a big one. Um, krill or fish oil, I'm kind of like, I think you can get enough if you're eating 
pasture-raised meats and eggs and like eat some fish, I think you get enough fish oil and you don't need to take it. But there are times like we've talked about mm-hmm. after a bang in your head. Oh, yeah. Or, I was going to get into <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you... I got a concussion when we owned our gym <laughs> or almost. It might have been one. I don't know. I didn't give it time to find out. So I immediately, I hit my head really hard at our gym because we had essentially a giant playground. <laughs> it was on video. It was caught on video. It might have been on video. Yeah. I think so. Oh, was that your toe? No, the toe was okay, on video. Okay. Yeah, the toe so was on one, video. This was not on video. Yeah, it was not on video. I was like, it was during a kids' class. It was a kids' class, and we were playing like the equivalent of like ultra dodgeball. It was super <laughs> fun, and I slip on this beam that's five feet in the air, and I fall off the beam, hit my head on the brick wall. All these little kids are just like laughing. Oh, and I'm like, oh, I have this huge knot on my head. So I go. We were right next to a natural grocers, and they had like some cold pressed fish oil in the fridge section. I finished the whole bottle that day. It was a 30-day supply. I drank the entire thing. And then I got some CBD, another month's supply that I finished in like two days. And then I got more fish oil for like the day after that. And then literally like no problems. Like I just felt fine. Yeah, mega dose. And that's that's totally cool. And like we live in the modern world. Mm -hmm. So taking ancestral practices and like figuring out how to... (laughs) Scientifically modify them yeah and i think that's huge and there's injury like that it's like you don't have to drink an entire bottle of fish oil but but i did yeah but (laughs) but you can definitely increase your your consumption of it and like yeah you can go through like you know a a 30-day supply in like four or five days Mm -hmm. it's not that hard just you know yeah it was it was tangerine cream so it tasted good like like put it in a smoothie and like drinking it but another one i like i like you know if you like to train or move like whole food based pre-workouts Mm-hmm. Or at least like amino acid based ones. So if it's got like arginine and phenylalanine mm-hmm. and beta alanine and all the neans, like <laughs> creatine. creatine, yeah, all these things, there, you know, there's not really a downside to taking that stuff. No. Um, there was a the guy I can't remember his name. He's the Nobel Prize winner who discovered nitric oxide. Nice. He's like all about like healthy living, obviously, and so he's like, all you need to do is breathe through your nose and take nitric oxide precursors so he takes arginine and alanine every single day nice guys is he's in his like 80s now yeah super cognizant veins bulging yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, so he's like nitric oxide is what it's all about but you know that's somewhat true yeah it's important no and again like i think there are awesome whole food pre-workouts you know on it makes a really good one Mm -hmm. but if you're not eating real food, if you're not it's eating, like yeah. it's not gonna do. It's not gonna get the rubber to the road, you know. I mean, yeah, you're just gonna be spinning your wheels, wasting your money. Mm-hmm. Well, the pre-workout is like, like a car analogy. Matt and I like car analogies. Pre-workout is like putting new tires on like a really beater car. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, like, until it's, you see yeah. that all the time. Yeah, like, you're like sweet, it's got new tires. But the engines, yeah, you screwed see, up. You the see, like drive shafts. You see, don't like work. a 2003, like Xterra with like rims and tires, and you're like, uh, yeah, okay. Dude, like, <laughs> like the rest of it, you know, is falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, upgrade your car first. Exactly. Worry about the tires later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, organ meats. If you look like it's a food, mm-hmm. but if you don't want to eat organ meats, organ meat supplementation, Are like the awesome. capsules, super awesome. So legit. Um, and honey is another one that I look at as like a superfood. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost like a supplement. It's Especially so when you combine it with essential amino acids. Oh like, yeah. You, you're good it's to the go. bee's knees, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's the seriously. best. And then, uh, enzymes for like targeted, um, 
proteolytic breakdown. I think mm-hmm. we talked about the enzymes in a different podcast. We mentioned them briefly on the recovery one. Yeah, on the recovery one. So, and that's again. So a lot of these are recovery focused. Yeah. in a way, like because being regenerative is what we're going for. Mm-hmm. How do you make your body heal and do what it was meant to do, which is be in a state of health? Yeah. So l- real quick to summarize, essential amino acids, magnesium, krill oil, whole food pre-workout, organs, honey, and enzymes. Yeah. If you give those to anyone <laughs> yeah. on top of clean eating, it's like, boom, you're going to succeed so much. But mm-hmm. all, so many people eat these processed, strict diets and they take all these fat burning or mm-hmm. testosterone boosting crazy supplements. And it's like, dude, that's... It's just going to break you down. It's going to break you down, you know? So if you can build that foundation of clean eating mm-hmm. and then you start to strategically stack these supplements on top of it, boom, you're, you're, you can really change the course of your training, your overall life and like long-term health. Mm-hmm. Well, and one, one thing I want to flesh out here is the idea that we're meant to be in a state of health. Yeah. So homeostasis is your body trying to come back to equilibrium. We're born with this mechanism of like your body wants to be healthy. Mm-hmm. It is tr- it is doing everything in its power to keep you healthy. It's our habits that are causing dis-ease. Yeah. And things are going awry. And like the more we hammer away with these negative habits and whatever they are, you're taking yourself out of homeostasis. Mm-hmm. But the body always wants to come back there. So if you're giving it the things to make that easier... Yeah, and you're recovering, you're, you're building tissue. Yeah, you you will reach homeostasis. Yeah. And you'll stay there. You'll stay in that state of health longer in your life. And you won't require Western medicine. Yeah, you won't, and you won't end up hopefully in like sick care or exactly. something like that, you know? And I think... We're not gonna. I'm, I don't want to dive too deep into it, but the concept of like epigenetics. Yeah. Where I, I really, I'm starting to realize health as, or mainly a disease as a manifestation of an illness wherever you're genetically prone. Yeah. So genetics won't cause you to get cancer. They won't cause you to get diabetes or obesity. But let's say you're genetically prone to those conditions. Like let's say you're genetically prone to diabetes. And you don't eat clean, mm-hmm. you don't move, and you're super stressed. Guess what? You're probably gonna get diabetes. Mm-hmm. So epigenetics is the concept that you express genes based on your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So you can't catch these diseases or illnesses, but based on your decisions in life, you basically manifest them. Yeah, the the best metaphor I've heard for it is imagining like your DNA strand as a piano, like keyboard. Mm-hmm. So you have eighty eight keys. Some of those keys are like like robust health and like all this stuff. It's like your major C, you know, you're just blasting that key mm-hmm. and that's like feeling the best. But one octave down is diabetes. Yeah. And so your lifestyle is dictating, are you playing those chords? Like, totally, yeah. You know? And people blame genetics or people are like, oh, I'm genetically prone to Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you are. So you better not do the lifestyle habits that cause it. Yeah, it's like... Like those diseases are like the top forty yeah. of music. Yeah, you know, like the songs no one wants to listen to. Mm. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like the songs on the radio. You're like, oh god, Mariah Carey again. But everyone's playing it. Yeah, everyone's playing it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why, when it comes, you know, and I'm I'm going I'm studying the healthcare system right now, and when you look at it, the 
trillions of dollars that we spend on healthcare could really be reduced if if everyone just worked on establishing clean eating habits mm-hmm. and we're not and then instead of a strict diet just eat clean yeah it's, it's a whole like revolutionary mind-blowing concept of just yeah. eat real food and then targetly or target and strategically implement strict eating when you need it mm-hmm. you know but without a foundation of clean eating it's it's just not really going to be long term it's not going to give you the best results that you're looking for it's going to create stress all these mm-hmm. other things yeah and i think another reason to be motivated about this me and they always talk about it 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 always comes back to the environment and the world around us yeah so by eating clean you're you're putting your money where it needs to go you're voting with your dollar and you're helping the environment to be healthier and cleaner and if you're you know your family your friends so don't think about clean eating as just about you think about everything around you mm-hmm. that's the overall goal of eating clean and learning how to do it and invest time like it doesn't happen overnight yeah take a slow steady approach calm targeted just relax about it don't stress and and we all make mistakes you yeah. know like if you're gonna eat a bad meal or you're gonna go on vacation and eat bad but just come back it's like meditation like when you're meditating and your mind starts to wander what do you do you come back to the breath same with clean eating if like if you're out partying and having fun in the mountains drinking beer and eating tons of food it's like okay know that when you get back you're going to come back to your clean eating yeah and like don't regret those and exactly yeah. yeah and like when your mind is wandering in meditation like some people beat themselves up but others just okay i'm i'm thinking about the football game the other day come back to breathing it's like same with eating well and i, I want to like emphasize too for people like we are very resilient mm-hmm. you know we're what Matt and I are talking about will take you to a higher level, you know, to like where, like what's your fullest potential? Like how good can you really feel? But with that said, don't feel bad if you have some beers with your friends camping and you're mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, it's not as optimal because that you're going to love those memories. Oh, totally. That's like a great story that you can yeah. have, you know, and that's not a bad thing. It's the, the chronic habit of that. Exactly. That it needs to be or, or finding comfort in those places. Yeah. And it's crazy because, like, I used to be there too, but, like, after a certain amount of time of clean eating, I, I enjoy eating clean meals. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, and it's, yeah. it's the, the shift. And so if you've been eating a lifetime of poor food and fast food, that's what you crave, which makes clean eating hard. But after two or three years of just eating clean, you start to crave those foods. Yeah. Like for me, uh, white rice with avocados and meat. Oh my gosh. That's like, it's the best. And, and just some salt on it. Oh, that, that I would pick that over any fast food restaurant or any garbage. Hands down, like, dude. Yeah. Oh my like God. Pizza or white rice, avocado and meat. It's like, I'll take that white rice, avocado and meat. Oh, for sure, dude. You know? It's like, that is, that is like my go-to. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's so cheap and simple and quick mm-hmm. to like, there's nothing wrong with that and that's what we're we're trying to get a point to you guys is just focus on the clean eating mm-hmm. and then once you got that down then play with strict eating yep so yeah right, guys oh yeah and any questions just reach out mm-hmm. check out the website and um just stay on the path yep catch you on the next one see you guys